Would you turn with me this morning to Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12. And our attention this morning is going to be on verse number 2 of Romans chapter 12. Last week we began to look at this new chapter, chapter 12, and it's really a new section in Romans, a, a section that is more of a turn toward the practical, experiential, putting into practice the Christian life. And last week in verse number one, we talked about the fact that everything that we do as Christians, day in and day out, needs to be connected to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so chapter 1 through 11, Paul has been unpacking the gospel and all of its implications. And when he says, therefore, in chapter 12, verse 1, he wants us to make that link back to that gospel foundation. That everything that we have before God, our whole standing, our whole life, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, all of it is rooted in the work of Jesus Christ for us. And we receive that by faith. It's a work of grace. It's an act of God's love for us. And so an understanding of the gospel, a full, deep, researched, well thought out, loved understanding of the gospel is the best possible foundation that you can have for your day in, day out Christian experience. So Paul wants us to see that connection between doctrine and practice. In verse 1, he said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Again, there's that gospel foundation, chapter 1 through 11. In view of all of God's mercy, in view of everything that God has done for us, he says, I urge you to offer your bodies, all of you, your whole being, not just your physical body, but your mind, your soul, your life, your spirit, your emotions, your ambitions, to offer all of you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Really what verse 1 is all about is give God your all. Give Him everything. He's worthy of it, right? In view of God's mercies, in view of everything that He has done for us, He is fully deserving of our full devotion. So offer him everything. Offer him your life. In a, in a sense, it's a call that goes above and beyond what was asked of Old Testament saints. Old Testament saints were, were to bring an offering, to bring a sacrifice. And Paul says, I'm going above and beyond asking you to bring a sacrifice. I'm asking you to bring your whole lives as a sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, not an animal, because we don't need those anymore. But now I'm asking you to give your whole life, body, soul, mind, and spirit, and not just one day, but every day of your life, give it as an act of worship to God. And then he says in verse number two, here's how we do that. Here's... Here's how we begin to live that out and to, to offer God everything that we are. Verse 2, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Let's bow in prayer together. 
Our great Father, we thank you that we have these few moments today to read and to think on your word. Father, I pray that as we think on these words, that we would, first of all, understand the meaning and all the implications of what Paul is teaching us in this passage. And then, Lord, I pray that you would take us even uh, deeper and beyond that, beyond the meaning, that we might see in our own lives, in our everyday experience, in our daily routines, how we can change, how we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, help us to draw closer to you. Help us to discover your will and to do that will. Help us, Lord, to have the mind of Christ, a mind transformed and renewed by your spirit. And may that show itself in the way that we live. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Really, the, the outline is very, fairly simple, and Paul basically structures it out for us in verse number 2. The first point is, don't be conformed. And the second point is, be transformed. So he, he gives us the outline. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. So let's think about the first part. He gives it in the negative. Do not conform, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Let's think about what he's saying there. The idea of conforming. And along with the word that the NIV translates pattern is the idea of a mold, a shape. Think of, uh, think of someone maybe who has maybe a metal worker who has uh, melted down metal and is pouring that metal into a pre-made mold. And then when that metal hardens, it takes that shape of that mold or, or, or plastic. You put plastic into a mold and it takes that shape when it hardens. That's kind of the idea. Or even, even a cake, right? You, you pour a cake into a certain pan and when it's done, it takes that mold. It, it has that appearance to it. And what Paul is teaching us in this verse is that our, our ways of thinking, our mindset, our attitudes, our desires and ambitions, really down to the very deepest core of who we are, needs to not be molded or patterned after the ways of this world. And literally, this world is, in the Greek, this age. This present age. Which brings up an important idea. And that is that when Paul is talking about this age, he is contrasting it with another age, isn't he? There's an age to come. So there is this age, this present age in which we live, but there is a future age that is still to come. And that future age that is still to come is the future age of glory, the future age of the kingdom of God, the future age of perfection and righteousness and peace. That's the future age that will come when Jesus Christ returns. But for right now, we are still in the present age. But what Paul wants us to, to think about and what he wants us to, to bring into our minds as well as into our practice is that through the death, 
the burial, the resurrection of Christ, and the giving of Christ's spirit to us as his church, what is happening is the new age is being drawn into the present age. So we are to live and think and act as if we are citizens of heaven. And we are citizens of that new age because we are. So we're looking forward to that new age, but that new age hasn't dawned yet. But because of the power of Christ and because of the power of the spirit, we are being enabled day by day to live more and more after the pattern of that new glorious righteous age that is coming. Do not conform to the mold or the pattern of this present age. Let's just think about that for a moment. What is the mold or the pattern of this present age? Uh, we might could put it like this. Uh, I think John gives us a pretty good summary of this age or this world in 1 John when he says, here's what worldliness is. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So, in other words, the lust of the flesh is living for what your body craves. So, if your life right now is all about living for what your body craves, then you are living for this age, not the one to come. What does your body crave? Food, sleep, sex, drink, a high, a drunken state, luxury, comfort. All of that the world says you can have, right? So we have, and and obviously some of those things we need, right? So we need to sleep, but you can overdo sleep and you can be lazy, right? We need food, but you can overdo food and you can become enslaved to food and you can make food an idol. You can make good food and the taste of food and enjoying that food, being filled with that good food and the feeling you get from eating that food and being filled with that food. You can make that an idol in your life. So there are certain things that we need. God has designed sexual relations for the good and the happiness of marriage and also for the procreation of the human race. But as everything else, Satan can distort that, right? And our world can distort that. And our world is distorting that on a monumental scale right now in our age, isn't it? All kinds of distortions. So you can take something that God has made that is good And that is right, something that God has ordained, but you can twist it and you can turn it into something that it was never intended to be. And you can use it solely as a means of your own enjoyment and your own pleasure. Regardless of what God says about how that is to be used. You can go after the feeling of a high. You can go after the feeling of a drunken state. You can go after... Uh, Just living a comfortable life. Taking things at ease. Anything that your body desires. The lust of the flesh. If that is your focus, if that is your goal, 
then you are living for this present age. And you, your mind and your living has been conformed to the mold of this present age. The lust of the eyes. I think very closely related to the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes, it's what you see, right? It's what you see. It's what you desire. So you can see uh, money and desire that. You can see someone else's wife or girlfriend, and you can desire that. You can see someone's car and desire that. You can see someone's house and desire that. You can see the life or the career or the job, the fame, whatever that somebody else has, and you can desire that. It's the idea of coveting, right? You see something and you want it. You desire it to have it for yourself. That is thinking in accords with the mold of this age. What does it mean, the pride of life? The idea of that is, the idea of life is your livelihood, the things that characterize your life, what you have, what you own, what you do. And John says you can take pride in that. You can take pride in your possessions. You can take pride in your riches. You can take pride in your occupation or your career, in your great name. You can take pride in all these things. And if you're living life for that, and that is your focus, then your mind has been conformed to the pattern of this age. Here's one way to think about it. If if you're thinking and the way that you approach anything in life is only thinking about the present and the temporary, then you're conformed to the pattern of this age. In other words, everything that we do should also have in mind its eternal impact. And if we view it that way, then we're viewing with the next age in mind. But if we're only living for the moment, if we're only living for the now, and what helps us or is good for the present life, then our minds are conformed to the present, to this present age. Think about this, and this, and this happens with everyone, but it's something to think about. If you ask somebody how one of their family members is doing, like say you come up to a, a, a man or a woman and you say, how is so-and-so doing? How is your child doing? And I'm talking a Christian to a Christian here, Christian to a Christian in a conversation. How is your son or daughter doing? A lot of times it focuses on this age's stuff, doesn't it? They've got a good job. They've got a good home. They've got a good career. They're doing pretty well. That's, that's usually how we respond. But what about eternal things? How, how is your son or daughter doing spiritually? How are they preparing their soul for the age to come? But a lot of times, how we're doing, how are you, a lot of times it focuses on the present age. And when Paul tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world or this age, that is a command. That's a command. He's giving us an instruction built on the foundation of the gospel, built on what God has done for us, built on the call to offer our whole selves as a living sacrifice to God. This is a gospel command. Don't conform. So that means that we need to take active steps to not fit into the pattern or the mold of this world's way of thinking. And let me tell you, 
That is a hard task in our culture. That is a hard task. Because from the very moment that you wake up, you are being bombarded with this world's way of thinking. Because for most people in our culture today, you know what the very first thing they do when they wake up is? Turn on their phone. Their phone's sitting right there next to their bed, on their bed, on their nightstand. Before they even get up and go to the restroom, they're looking at their phone. And if you think I'm, I'm kidding, ask yourself, do I do that? There are a lot of folks who do that. A lot of people who do that. So in other words, from the very first moment that you wake up, you're getting the day's headlines or the Facebook updates or the emails, Instagram posts, whatever it is. From that point till the moment that you go to sleep, because the very last thing most people do is shut off their phones. Or they're still looking at it and they fall asleep and it falls onto their laps as they're falling asleep. So internet, constant interaction with the internet through our phones and devices, television, radio, print media, whatever it is. We're, we are bombarded everywhere by the thinking of this world. So it is, this has been a challenging task in every era of this present age, but I think we're maybe at one of the most difficult points of trying to live out this command. Because everywhere you turn, our thinking is being shaped. Even when you don't think about it being shaped, even when you don't realize that it is being shaped, it is being shaped. Even when you're watching a movie and you're, you're just watching a Disney movie, this is a, this is a uh, you know, pretty innocuous, not, not a, no real main agenda here movie. Don't kid yourselves. Everything you watch, every movie you watch, every, every fiction novel that you read, everything has a message. Everything has an agenda. And so recognize that your mind is being formed, patterned, sculpted, shaped every moment of your life. And so we have to ask, what is it being shaped by? What is it being formed by? So Paul says, don't conform. Don't be patterned after the thinking of this world. So we need to do the opposite then, right? So we need to be transformed. Our minds need to be transformed. And the Greek word here is the word that we would all recognize. It's metamorphosis. It is, is, it a, it is a transformation. Be transformed in your thinking, in your mind. So in other words, don't have a world's or this age's way of thinking and approaching life. Have a next age, a heavenly way of thinking and approaching life. And how does that happen? It happens through the renewal of your mind. How does that happen? It can only happen by the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. The renewing work of the Holy Spirit. 
we would have no hope of doing the second part of this command, really any of this command, to not be conformed to the world and to be transformed, we would have no hope of obeying that command without the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. So Paul teaches that in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. That we have been born again, we've been washed, renewed by the Holy Spirit. Through the renewal of the Holy Spirit, he says in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. So without the work of the Holy Spirit, our minds would continue to be enslaved to the pattern of this world. Our mind would continue to be under the dominance of a sinful way of thinking. It is only by the gracious work of the Holy Spirit that our minds and our thinking can be set free to see what is right and to see what is good, to see what is true. As Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 8, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is good, whatever is of good reputation, think on these things. It's the Holy Spirit that awakens our minds to see what is good and lovely and of good report. So the Holy Spirit comes into our lives by the grace of God and does a renewing, transforming, life-giving work into our thinking so that we can begin to think God's thoughts after him. And without that divine work of grace by the Holy Spirit, we would have no hope of obeying this command. So with that understanding then, with that foundation of the work of the Holy Spirit then, we also too though have a responsibility, don't we? We have a responsibility to work in harmony with, in, by the grace of the Holy Spirit. So Paul can say in Galatians 1 or Galatians 5, 22 and 23, here are the fruits of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and mercy. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. And so it's a Spirit's work, right, that produces those things in our lives. But it's not as if we just stand there and allow some, somebody to just do it for us, right? It is by the grace of the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit that is enabling us to produce those in our lives. But we have to actively love. We have to, we have to actively forgive one another. We, we have to act actively seek for joy. We have to, have to actively seek to show mercy to other people. So it's the renewing work of the Holy Spirit, but then we build on that and we work out what the Holy Spirit is working in us. As Paul says in Colossians, I work with all of his energy that he mightily works in me. So it's the Spirit producing this. It's the Spirit renewing But we also have a responsibility in that renewing process, don't we? That means we need to think on things that are right. Instead of allowing the world to shape our thinking, we need to take purposeful and specific steps to impact the way that our minds are being formed. So let me challenge you with something. Here's here's a week coming up, okay? Don't, for this week, do do this this week. This is a challenge for me and you. The very first thing that you see in the morning, let it be the Bible. This week, try that. Not Facebook, not a news feed, 
not Instagram, not email. Whether, and I would, I would say in order to help you do that, pick up, pick up the old-fashioned you know, leather and, and, and paper. Because if you try to read your Bible on your phone, guess what you're going to see? Facebook and news feeds and email and all that other stuff. So you know what? Just like don't even pick it up. And may the first thing that you reach for in the morning this week, may it be your Bible. I'm not saying you have to do it for an hour. I I would love for you to even read one verse as the very first thing that enters into your mind this week. The very last thing that you do before you go to sleep at night, let it be perhaps a word of scripture or a prayer to God. Not the last Facebook feed that you saw. And if we can't do that, what does that say about how much our minds have been shaped by this world's way of thinking? So let me challenge you with that. Renewal of our mind. It's the Holy Spirit's work, but we cooperate in that work. And we, we are actively engaged in the renewal of our minds by guarding what comes in and by choosing what comes in. It's like this. If, if, you're, if you're trying to make your body healthy, then you have, you have to actively say, I'm not eating that, right? I'm not going to eat that because I know that's not healthy. I'm going to eat this instead because I know that that's healthy and that's better for my body. What about our minds? If I'm trying to renew our, my mind after the pattern of Christ, then we have to do that as well. We have to have a mental diet. And we have to say, I know that this is not going to be healthy. This is junk food for my mind. Okay, This is healthy for my mind. And for my way of thinking. And what's the result? What happens as we renew our minds through this work of the Holy Spirit? He says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Isn't that what we want? If If we are gospel people, if we are Christians, if we're following the Lord Jesus Christ, then isn't the thing that we want the will of God? To pursue that and to do that in our daily lives? Paul says that as you say no to the patterns of thinking of this world and see you say yes to the renewing of your mind through the Holy Spirit, then you're, you are going to end up at the will of God. And you'll be doing the will of God. And, and one of the best ways for your mind to be transformed is to take the Holy Spirit's work in combination with the word. Read the word, meditate on the word of God, memorize the word of God. And when the Holy Spirit and the word come into your minds, that produces a chain reaction of renewal, of transformation. And we will come to know what God's will is through the spirit and through the word. We will come to know what God's will is. And it's a good will. It's moral, it's ethical, it's right. It is pleasing to God. And it is perfect. It's the ultimate, completed, full, mature will of God. Paul desires for us to become mature, godly Christians. And this is the path to that. Now, Romans 12, 1 and 2, this is like the foundation of everything else that he's going to say throughout the rest of this letter. 
Here's the gospel, chapters 1 through 11. Now, here's kind of the framework that we're thinking about. Give your whole bodies to God and give your whole minds to God through the transforming of your mind to be like God, not like the pattern of this world. Once we have that structure, now we can start talking about how to show love and hospitality and kindness to one another. So let our minds be transformed by the Spirit and the Word. And let's be purposeful about how our minds and our thinking, our attitudes are being shaped. And let's not be stuck in this world with our eyes down. Let's keep our eyes up, looking toward the horizon for the age to come, because it's coming. And so let's begin and prepare now to live in that age as we still live in this one. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for the work of grace that you are doing in our hearts, in our lives. Father, without you, your Son, his redeeming work, without the renewing work of your Holy Spirit, we would be lost. We would be without hope. But Lord, you have found us. You've called us to yourself. You have bought us with the precious blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. You've given us new life by your abiding Spirit so that now we can see We can believe, we can see who you are and the truth of the gospel. We can see what is good and right. We can see what is well-pleasing to you. God, help us to pursue that. Guard our minds, Lord. Guard our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions. And Lord, may our minds be patterned after your word and your spirit. And we pray this through Christ. Amen.